Welcome to episode 79. I'm Nick Cole, and we are recording from our new facilities at the Yacht Club, where Single White Medusa gets to enjoy a grapefruit tequila paloma cocktail, and it's very refreshing on this hot day. Yeah, that's pretty nice stuff. Yeah. I got that at Trader Joe's. I saw the can. I know. Good call. I was like, <laughs> I was like whoa. It's, it's all a cocktail in a can. I was like, that's got you written all over it. Poured it over all ice. All you need is ice. Then yeah. we go to the movie theater. You could pour a couple of those in and then pretend that you like the karate kicking action. <laughs> the karate kicking action. Yeah, if we see like an action movie. Yeah. I did like the action movie we saw the other day, though, which we already talked about, Cop Shop. Cop so, Shop you know, was pretty good. I'm not opposed if there's some good You're story. You're not opposed. Yeah. Well, I think today we'll just touch on a variety of subjects. Uh, a lot of people had some questions yesterday about, uh, I talked about footwear, boots, that kind of stuff. I answered those in the comments. Um, some people had some ideas about cold weather gear. I think uh, the best way ever to approach cold weather gear or any kind of gear is to buy the best gear and then with the cold weather what you want to do is you want to layer so you want to have a good outer shell you want to have like a t-shirt uh, a thermal and then a regular shirt and maybe even a sweater and then you can kind of go through let you can you basically you can adjust because the problem in cold weather isn't um, staying warm the problem in cold weather is actually getting too warm starting to sweat then have that sweat freeze, then you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. So is there like a, a base layer that would be like moisture wicking or, you know, something like that, that would kind of help with that to kind of keep that from happening? Yeah. I think like a t-shirt or a good, like, you know, some of those more, like, I think Under Armour makes some stuff like that or yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> Lululemon's really great for that, but then you got to join a cult. And pay very high prices. I gotta deepen up my voice. Hold on. Hee ha ha. All right, now my <laughs> voice is now my voice is deeper. I've been taught. We have been running around all day doing things, and so I haven't had a chance really to use my voice much. So I've got to get it warmed up, and I've got to get it down and low. I like it. It always sounds good. You can have different different Sometimes sounds. Sometimes it gets a little days. gets a little too choir boy. I never have thought that about you. You've voice. never thought that about me? No. All right. And I've been I've been around choir boys. I'm my um, hardest critic. <laughs> exactly. I'm my only critic. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. I think that the things in Australia are worth considering. I think that those people are about to have a civil war. Seriously. Mm-hmm. It's gone from like uh, we're pissed off about the masks to if you're watching the videos today, people saying we can't buy money. We can't buy money. We can't buy love. Beatles songs. They're all singing Beatles songs. <laughs> can't buy me love. Whenever I hear can't buy me love, you know what happens? I've told you this story. Oh, but you don't care remember. about me. Nobody cares, Nick. <laughs> Nobody cares. See, isn't it a bummer when the, the sensei, the guru, doesn't remember his own things and like the, the Padawans have to shout it from the, the bamboo rice paper floor? Nope. <laughs> Nobody cares, Nick. <laughs> so what happens when you hear that song? And I'll probably remember when I, you tell me. I want to pick up trash. I do not remember that. Why? I, I was I worked at a movie theater oh. in 1987 when Can't Buy Me Love, starring that other guy, and then the girl who died. Mm. I know I'm being specific here. He's the doctor. What is his name? He was like a heartthrob in the 80s, and then he was Dr. McDreamy on some show I never watched. And then the girl was kind of like young Miss It thing. 
And then she kind of like had a hard time in Hollywood, maybe had a little bit of a substance abuse problem and then like died at 40. And it was really sad because she was still kind of pretty and everything like that. But yeah, it was, it was it nuts. like maybe um, Amanda Preston. I can't yes. see this very well. That was her name. I had a friend who had just such a deep and aching crush on her. He would come into my movie theater every afternoon just to see that movie because he just longed oh, for her. Amanda Peterson. Yearned for her. Have you, ever, have you ever yearned single white Medusa? Yeah, I mean, when we're young, we, we're all kind of like that at points, right? We yearn. But now, I'm so happy, so I don't have to yearn. I yearn for you. Well, yeah, but I mean... And we're not me. even married. I'm married to Nicole. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> That's cheap. And this had also Patrick Dempsey? That's the guy. Okay. That's the guy. Yeah. So, because like, the movie would end... And they would play the Beatles song, which they must have paid through the nose for. Can't buy me love. And then there'd be me with my little broom and my little sweeper doing a half-assed job. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, I don't remember you telling me that, actually. Yeah. True yeah. story. I like to let people behind the curtain. Yeah. No, but I'm a, I'm a regular working man of the people, mummy. <laughs> you are. I've done salt-of-the-earth jobs. <laughs> The other crazy thing about um, the Australia thing was like the conversation. We saw the video where the one of the protesters was kind of talking with one of the cops, and the cop was basically said he was on their side, but he like felt that he had no choice. And so like even a lot of the cops, it sounds like seems like don't really want to be doing what they're doing, and they feel they have no choice or they won't have a job. So it's kind of like I think we are reaching a moment, especially in the life of this podcast where we're going to have to have a talk about cops Mm -hmm. because that's not going to fly here. That's not like the things the guy was saying in that video, like, I don't really know, mate. And you know, like this is all I can do and they're paying me to do it, but I'm with you guys. It's like not effing good enough. If you believe that this is tyranny, if you believe that you're, you know, you can't be this. I'm only doing, I'm only following my orders. I'm only doing this to get paid. That's weak sauce. And that is going to get cops on the wrong side of this. Now, I don't want cops to be on the wrong side of this. I'm very pro-law enforcement, things like that. But I have been seeing a lot of videos like the uh, lieutenant governor in Reno up there in Nevada getting just thrown to the ground by the cops. And I'm seeing a lot of cops make a lot of bad tyranny choices based on a paycheck. There's a point where I think the cops need to the police need to start having a conversation about stepping away from the politics or enforcing the constitution, even if the people writing their paychecks are doing this. Because if the cops are just going to become sort of Gestapo, then let's just cut to the chase. And I'm not going to say it here, but I can tell you. And, and I think I think if you I think you can figure out what will happen now, that would already be happening in Australia. But the Australians gave up all their weapons. Yeah. So they're, of course, out there pleading, oh, please don't hurt me, and, you know, quidjiboo and dingaroo, and I don't have a weapon to fight you, and I'm not going home. And the cops are like, the fun thing is you look at the cop's kit, and he's full-on tactical. You know, he's got he's got three pistol mags, he's got three uh, rifle mags, primary mags. He's got, you know, a Kensai holster on his on his chest. He's got one on his hip. He's probably got a couple of flashbangers. He's got a nice little AR-15 military-style uh, assault rifle. And, you know, he has, he has monopolized violence. And the cop is sitting there, like, saying, there's other ways for you to do this. 
And, and what I screamed back at the radio and no one heard is like, there is no other way. You're not giving them away. You have that fat pig, you know, human health services dude down there who's acting like a fuck, like a tyrant, like a little Hitler, like a little Nazi. And he's not giving any people, anybody, any choice or any discussion. So there is no other way. And what you're getting down to is violence. And yeah, the cops can have all that kind of stuff. But you, like as that video the other day, Saturday illustrated, like when you have the numbers, it doesn't matter. And that's something the cops need to realize. Like your monopoly on violence is only going to go so far. And you only get the monopoly because we allow you to have it. We, we trust you to act in our best interest, the people on our behalf and to maintain law and order. The moment that you think you own that monopoly of violence because divine right or because some turd, you know, it, who, who has dreams of getting elected or dreams of screwing us all over or dreams of selling out the United States of America for money. The moment you think you obey that person, you're the dude that goes black on magazines and gets overrun by about 30 people. And I'm telling you right now, I've seen it. They'll tear you to shreds. I'm literally, I literally, they will pull you apart at the limbs. Don't be that cop. Do the right thing. And it's time for all the police associations to look at Australia in America, the police associations in America, to look at Australia and decide that you're not going down the tyranny road. You won't like what's going to happen to you. And, and I love cops. And we need cops, and I appreciate cops, and I support cops, and especially local law enforcement. Federal law enforcement, uh, you've broken the public trust. I don't know that everybody trusts you guys. There's probably a lot of great guys and everything like that, but the bad apples have spoiled the batch. You guys are going to need to clean that up. We should probably get rid of the FBI, honestly. Um, But local law enforcement, sheriffs, those are some of the most powerful people in America. And they know it. And and we, we've had really good ones here in, in Southern California. The Riverside, the San Bernardino, and the Orange County sheriffs have all sided with the people. And they're not playing these Orwellian enforcement games. But I would love to, like, figure out what the hell went wrong with Australia. How they went so fast being, you know, basically a Western civilization state into sort of this total Orwell that they're going for. That it, that it, you know, and so yesterday ends with them shooting people really? with rubber bullets. Oh. They've they progressed to that, but you know what's going to happen the next time, probably tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of hidden shotguns and stuff like that that start coming out, or 3D printable weapons, mm. or whatever. Build a cannon, but people are going to reply to that, and it's going to get ugly. And hell, probably China will smuggle weapons down there just to destabilize Australia. You know, it's, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, how do all those weapons end up in Iraq and Afghanistan? Well, the military in Iraq, Afghanistan's a whole other thing. How do all those weapons end up there, you know, during the war, before the war, throughout the war? Well, they ended up how they ended up there when the Mujahideen were fighting Russia. We gave them to them. Your enemies will give your people, your dissidents, weapons. So that would be my cautionary tale to the U.K., France, bunch of countries in Europe, and Australia. This little monopoly on violence, you have that because the people trust you to have it. You are violating that trust, and you won't like the receiving end of that. That has never ended well for the cops. 
I, I challenge anybody to show me an example in history where uh, serving the minority elite who were interested in a sort of unaccountable totalitarian control ever worked out for them. You, you guys are the first ones to get it, you know, and I don't want that to happen. I think naturally you're on our side, the side of freedom, the citizen, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all those things that we're there for. But no, this is, this is just turning into absolute and utter bullshit. Yeah. Would you put Canada in that same category? You yeah, I would put Canada us. in there, uh, yeah. in the in the same category. But you know, again, you know, it's funny. Like Trudeau, Newsom, like they they basically in their phony elections outed themselves and outed Dominion and about that. Like they basically elected themselves into minority sort of ruling parties, and it, it shows that there's some kind of shenanigans there. But no one wants to get into it. But, I mean, this is giving me pause to say, like, I don't know that there's going to be an election next year. I've said that I think there will be martial law to some extent. But even if there were elections, you know, show of hands, after these sort of three elections, Biden, Newsom, and Trudeau, even though Trudeau is Canadian, they, they share a lot of the same commonalities. Does anybody trust a fair election right now? Does anybody... Do, Canada has all the same problems. Non-purge voter rolls... Uh, cheating, electronic voting, all these kinds of things that have worked out consistently for the Democrats, dramatically for Joe Biden, and stunningly for Newsom, in which I'm telling you, like, wherever you go in the state, it's it, no one wanted this guy. The cities are junk war zones. The hinterlands, the countryside, is outraged to the max, and yet he was, you know, unanimously elected. Now, I'm watching the results still coming in and everything like that. A lot of counties are flipping. But again, the Democrats did that rush to literally call the election before it was over. I watched even pundits I trust on Twitter saying, well, it looks like it's over and everything like that. And I wonder sometimes how many of those people are captured, you know, willing to go ahead and, and get people to get out of line. There's no need to call an election until two hours after the election. As long as people are in those poll lines, you should not be calling an election. But they do that so that people will get out of the lines. Then, two months later, we begin to find out how close it was. In Orange County, I think it's either Orange County or Riverside, we're down to like 400 votes now, the difference. Wow. How many of those people got out of line? Yeah, you know? that's crazy. With the, uh, with the cops, I think maybe... If enough, if there was a great enough number of them who would stand up and be like, I'm not doing this unlawful thing that you're trying to make me do, um, I think they would succeed in that. Just like we've seen with, if there are enough, let's say, healthcare workers in a certain facility that stand up and say, I absolutely am not taking the vaccine, even if you're going to fire us. Like when there's a large enough percentage, they end up going, um, okay, well, never mind, because they know they can't deal with, you know, 30, 40 percent uh, losing, you know, losing that many of their people. So I wonder if that many cops would actually be like, no, I'm not following this un unlawful uh, order that you're giving me. They really do. They can't. They couldn't um, have, you know, they couldn't stand to lose like that many of their cops if there were enough of them. It's a two pronged approach. And it has worked here, especially in Orange County and other places. If the sheriff says he will not enforce, the burden to enforce now relies on the corporations. 
what a lot of us are doing is going around the corporations, going to people who are willing to not play these games. Now that the, the, the sort of mandatory vaccine is in place, a lot of corporations are having to be confronted with not just enforcing at the front door, but enforcing in, in HR. And they're finding that a lot of their employees don't want to do that. Fine, okay, you all leave. Now the company can't run. We don't have an employment crisis right now, as someone pointed out. What we have is a culture crisis. There, there are so many job openings and so many people not just sitting around, working age males sitting around and not doing them. I even drive around my own, my own neighborhood <clears throat> and count the amount of fully capable males who are not working. How is that? Because they're, I, I'm not getting into their lives. But for some reason, these people have opted out. And so at the corporate level, when you tell people to show up, and they will do it, they prove because they're globalists. All corporations are globalists. They'll say it, but when you push back, they I've watched, they have a tendency to cave because they've got to keep the doors open. And if the staff will just say, hey, we're not doing that, or hey, I believe in the vaccine, but I don't believe in forcing people, which I think is a really admirable position that I've seen a lot of people take. And it's the free position, but given given no pushback, government and corporations will just ham-handedly make these sort of overreaching statements and expect you to obey out of fear. If you push back, you have a high likelihood of defeating them. If a lot of you push back, you have a high likelihood of defeating them. The sheriffs at every local jurisdiction are the best way to really end this entire thing. And if they would just say, we are not enforcing this, then we as the people supporting the sheriffs need to make the next step is, we will not be working in corporations that demand vaccination or masks or any more of these Orwellian lockdown policies, and we will not be spending our dollars there. One month of that, and this would be over. Yeah, okay. And then the main thing you need to remember is who went all in on it, and then you need to vote accordingly. Exactly. And you need to shop accordingly. Remember the little Hitlers of the railroad and make them pay for the rest of their lives. Speaking of that, you just reminded me, I was going to ask you, who were those pundits that you yesterday um, that called it early? Do you remember? Hey, we fixed our uh, mic there for a second. It, I noticed it was unplugged, so we sounded like we got far away, so we'll mic check. Trusting, trusting, one, two, three. That's as my a great mic check. Yeah, our favorite... Um, church worship leader used to say that and he just passed away this year from a brain tumor so in memory of our friend rick Muchow, i just wanted to say trusting one two three <laughs> i love it i love it so uh no i don't remember the pundits it was just people i was following online i was just noticing it you know a few minutes until the election was finally closed and i was still hearing from the elder campaign hey you can stay in line they can't kick you out of line and stuff like that and I just always wonder why people want to rush to shut that down. Me too. You know, like in sports, you play for every yard. You play for every out. You don't, you don't play this sort of big picture game. But it's what we have in this, you know, like it's this thing that everybody has where they're so desperate to be right. And oftentimes at the expense of their own side, you know, they get some kind of thrill uh, out of like, I told you so. I told you Trump was a bad candidate. I told you Romney was a bad candidate. I told you Mikhail. Well, those are all true. But like, yeah. sometimes that that you know, 
yeah, but you still got to play your game. But like there, there is this weird sort of group of experts that have evolved on the internet who, who want to be right. And I think, I think a lot of the times that's something that you have to look at the, the sort of weaponized conservative media about like it's in their best interest to not win because then they can sell you all their books on how to take back America and how to, how to, you know, the, the, like the Obama years were great for conservative media because they had so much outrage to capitalize on just like the Trump years were great for CNN. And so sometimes the people that are claiming to be on your own team are actually rooting for your failure so that they can financially cash in on that. Hey, love of money is the root of all evil. Do I, do I accuse everybody of that? No, but I think if you think about that when you listen to people, it's something worth considering. I would love to, um, I would like that thing where the, the Q people believe, you know, that there's a plan and that oh, Trump, yeah. Trump's coming and Trump's running a sh- shadow. I would love all that. And then, you know, like they take them all out and hang them. Man, Hillary be begs for a life in the rendition prison. All the stuff you've read me that, you know, like <laughs> I would love all that. And then I would just say, hey, podcast over. I'm done. You know, if I unless I have more to say or unless you guys like, hey, we just like listening to the sound of your voice. And, you know, I could come on and do stuff. But I, I'm not here selling the how to take back America book. Yeah, I, I, I really do want our side, which is not right or left, Democrat or conservative. I think, you know the dirty word patriot i think the dirty word american those things that freedom that's loving. us freedom you know the person who wants freedom life liberty and the pursuit of happiness i would love for our side to win and for me to have nothing else to complain about me not this you know here's my six point plan how to make america you know awesome and you know the downfall of the way like you could just see like from ben shapiro on and and i've dealt with daily wire i've been to their christmas party and i've also inquired of their advertising rates and you know that makes a lot of money doing what they do and so of course they want it to all be garbage financially they don't want to win i can just guarantee you that they love it when the side that they supposedly claim to stand for loses you know i don't know how else are they going to pay for all their homes they got a lot of homes all of them they're oh let's just all move across the country you know, all that kind of stuff. Let's live in expensive real estate in L.A. Let's live in expensive real estate in Nashville and Florida. Like, hey, you know what? Follow the money. That's what my mother would say. There is, some, you know, there are very few people on either side trumpeting sort of the way that they think that America should go and living aesthetic lives of monkism. A lot of people would tell you that's burning on the other side. Dude's got three houses. Dude's a millionaire now. Billionaire it used to be millionaires are the problem. Now millionaire billionaires are the problem because he's not a billionaire yet. There are very few people aesthetically, um, you know, advancing the cause of liberty and freedom. One of those people I find interesting is Victor Davis Hanson, who you should always read. Um, guy has a farm up in the Central Valley. Is hated by everybody at the schools he teaches at. Um, yeah, he's a he's a think tank guy, but he's a worker. He's a hard worker. He lives, in my opinion, probably him and Thomas Sowell live fairly close to the aesthetic monk, Jedi master, eschewing the cares of the world, politics, and don't constantly try to cash in on it on either side. And those are things worth considering.
Agree. Yeah, absolutely. Are you backing away from the mic again when I hold it to you? No. <laughs> um, one more thing on the Australia thing too is I think there, cause you, like when you were saying you think there's going to be a civil war, I think they're gaining in their numbers. And you know, why I think that is because they just played that game where now suddenly they won't let the media there um, record aerial footage of the protests. Yes. Well, why would that be? Cause I'm pretty sure if they were sad little small protests, they'd be go right ahead. Uh, the only reason they wouldn't want that is because it is such massive amounts of people and they don't want people to know that. They want people to feel alone, like there aren't that many of you, just give in. So anyway. You're 100% nailed on that. Australia is is doing the same thing that um, they tried to do to Fox News when Fox News was showing the just massive 50,000 plus wave of Haitians coming across the border who were now getting on airplanes and now being distributed throughout the United States and You've got Maxine Water out there saying, like, you know, using horses to round them back. Takes us back to slavery days. You know how she talks. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. So, so they don't want you to see. But, yes, if it was three blokes out there, you know, with a can of log, loggers and Nazi T-shirts, and they could humiliate them, they would want all the press coverage. But when you start to see those that drone footage and the helicopter footage, and it, this is not just happening in Australia. It's yeah. happening in all the major cities. They don't want you to see the Nile-sized river of people yeah. that goes for blocks and miles who are pissed off. Because remember, they don't have the numbers. You have the numbers. Exactly. Um, I think I saw something weird today about the Haitian thing, though. Did I see? Now, it wasn't. It was like only really a drop in the bucket compared to how many... Um, have come over here but i saw like around a thousand now they deported today and i was like well that's interesting but i know there were like i think that i think that, that they're here. they're doing a a press a yeah. sort of photo shoot that's what i think but from jack sobiak he said no no that's unfiltered they're just they're throwing it wide open yeah. and so again the level of deception but you see joe biden go to the un today and he can't get through the speech without sounding unintelligible and strange take it for what it's worth alex jones yesterday getting stuff from inside the white house that biden is defecating on himself that the that the secret service is had it and they're flipping that he's wandering the halls at three o'clock in the morning saying need bathroom need bathroom that he he's lost his marbles yeah you know that they can't like there's a press conference yesterday with boris johnson and Boris Johnson takes two questions, and then suddenly these handlers sweep in and won't let Biden answer a question. We didn't. We did not elect a president. Apparently, apparently we elected handlers. Yeah. Now I'm telling you right now, that's cause for revolt right there. Yeah. That's cause for civil war right there. We we did not hire a group of people. We did not vote for a group of shadowy, unelected, unaccountable people to do these things. And that's why these things are being done because ultimately they're going to pin all this on Joe Biden. Kamala knows that. That's why she's staying clear. They don't want him to pin it on her, but these people are intent on destroying the nation. Yes, absolutely. I'll fight anybody over that. Um, because you see Biden go to the UN and say, Barrett, the only thing he can, the only thing he can get out, build back better, you know, like <laughs> can't say a damn thing else, but build back better. 
You know, like, so this, this side, and supposedly Biden is being followed around by a doctor with a two foot by four foot Pelican case full of meds, including methamphetamines to keep him doped up and moving. And he's completely incontinent. Like, I mean, and this is nuts. I mean, I, I'm just curious, like these must be the best doctors ever to be walking this fine line, because I would think man, he could like die at any time, even just like have an aneurysm or something up there while he's giving a speech. I mean, being that heavily medicated, that seems like so dangerous. Yeah. I mean, as long as they don't give him any of that fentanyl that the Chinese are constantly trying to download on us, his partners, his son's partners. Yeah. You know, so those are the things we're looking at. But I wanted to step back because I was actually listening to something earlier today that was recorded um, around the Obama time. And it was talking about Eric Metaxas, who is a lawyer who represents religious freedom. And he was saying, you know, around 2009, 2010, that the U.S. military was, you know, going around basically saying to service members that you could not join the Tea Party, that the Tea Party was an extremist organization. I remember all that. Mm. And I'm just saying, like, 11 years later, we are at every American is now a terrorist. The most noble people are the Haitians, the, you know, the, the Tsarnevs. You know, getting getting the cover of Rolling Stone. You, you know, mouth breather, knuckle draggers, gun clingers. And you look at those things going on in Australia and you wonder why they resent you clinging to your guns. Because your guns are standing in the way of them being able to pepper spray your 72-year-old grandmother and say, comply, comply, comply. It's great when they've got body armor. They've got a primary, they've got a secondary, they've got flashbangs, they've got mags galore, they've got shotguns firing non-lethal rounds, and you're standing there with a Make America Great Again sign. That That's that's the combat they love. That's what makes them feel big. Your weapons right now are the only thing protecting you. So that's why they call you clingers. They would, they would love to pry that weapon from your hands and then it's over. The discussion's over. The only reason we're kind of getting maybe to have a discussion is they live in fear of your weapons. You should have more weapons. You should buy more ammo. You should get more magazines. You should be, you know, really follow the open carry movement, the second amendment, all those kinds of things. Cause that, that's your line of defense. That's your line of freedom. And there's rapidly approaching a moment where that's, that's really going to be put to the test. Exactly. Well, one thing that I would like to hear your thoughts about, I'm shifting gears a little bit, is uh, our good old friend Bill Gates and the recent interview where he seemed very nervous about uh, being asked about Epstein. Yeah, I thought that was that was a great interview because it, it, like I've said, we've talked about Bill Gates before. You know, Bill Gates is a resentful probably sociopathic individual and people throw those things around. I know the differences, Um, but you have to study the history of Bill Gates, you know, and you, you know, like you really want to study the history, get into Bill Gates's dad and find out the things that are there and the associations that are there and the eugenicist movement and the property owning and the genocide stuff and getting an award, getting an award for depopulation. That's a thing that his own organization gave him. 
But we move to the Bill Gates of 1998 when he was becoming increasingly popular, unpopular, and sort of feared as an evil genius. And he had some problems there and some lawsuits. Tried to basically screw his cancer-ridden partner over for the company. Things like that. He's a bad guy. Bill Gates is a bad guy. Most people who are in the, in the industry would tell you, you know, like the layman would say, oh, Bill Gates is a computer genius. No, people who know, not a computer genius. But adept at sensing where to make money, where to get power. And he understood that with computers. He doesn't really know. He probably knows some more than the average person. But if you stack him up against, you know, actual people who code, no programs, design, theory, all that kind of stuff, he, he would look like an infant. And, and he knows that. And they know that. Um, didn't invent Microsoft, all that kind of stuff. So he was unpopular in 98, and there was definitely a makeover. And so in 98, he had this sort of like <laughs> Dexter. Remember Dexter had this villain, Mandark or whatever it was. He looked like that. He had the just like a bolt. Like he had a he had a worse haircut, if it's possible, than he has now. But it was sort of like you could tell he'd paid a lot of money for it and was hip. And he tried to wear these edgy, cool clothing. And he would he would just sort of like his per, his real personality came through, which is the same as Zuckerberg's. He he has contempt for normal people and especially contempt for the people who've been kind of chosen. The six foot six, you know super athlete who gets the homecoming queen these dudes resent that those kind of guys um and 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 gates was malevolent maniacal and so he had to be made over and so there was the sweater he hates the sweater whenever you see photos of him captured in the wild he has to keep the sweater around his middle so that just in case he can get the sweater on and, and, and make you think like he's friendly old Bill Gates just trying to help the world by vaccinating a little bit and, you know, like uh, hanging out with Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein on his hooker plane, you know, that kind of stuff. Not that, <laughs> not that. So he hates that sweater. But when he does any interview, that sweater comes out and it's just that Bill Gates. So today he had to do an interview and the chick hit him with a, a pretty hard question. What about Epstein? And the real Bill Gates came through. He was answering the question to the camera. Then he looked away and off, and you could see his jaw set, and you could see him defiant and angry. And when he came back to the the camera after doing what we call in acting the Costner look away, which he didn't know he was doing it. Um, and the reason Kevin Co like if you ever watch Kevin Costner movies, when anybody gives Kevin dialogue, he will look away from the camera like he's thinking and then when he comes back to the camera he says his line and you the viewer get the impression of that he's put a lot of thought into it that it's serious and that's that's what you're supposed to do as an actor you're supposed to convey that you're actually thinking about what you're saying you're not just repeating lines you're trying to make it look like you actually thought that stuff up and that's what makes for what we call a powerful delivery. Kevin Costner mas mastered that trick so much it's named after him. But Bill Gates didn't do that. He he looked away and went off to Bill Gates' sociopath land. And when he came back, you saw the primal fear villain. Uh, what was that cat's name? Edward Norton. Edward Norton. You saw the primal fear you know the revelation 
this guy's really a sociopath. And he says, well, you know, Epstein's dead now. And I think in that moment, I don't think I had put together that, that Bill Gates had Epstein whacked. I kind of thought that would have been Bill or Hillary or really the CIA or most likely the FBI because Epstein knew too much or it could even have been Mossad. But some government organization wanted um, Epstein whacked because he was he was the front man on that operation. Um, but when I saw Gates come back with that, I would I would ask I, if I was playing Columbo in the Sunday night mystery, I would I would have had my killer right there or at the minimum. I'll dial it back a little bit. Someone who really profited off that death. Because what he was coming back and saying is, well, he's dead and I got away with it. And, you know, watch that and it'd be interesting to see what your take is. But, yeah, that was my take. You saw it. Yeah. I, I think I also noticed, um, like, his hands were really fidgeting a lot as well. Yeah, so he looked he looked like an uncomfortable, nervous, unhappy person who is reaching... Here's the, here's the thing. See, like, he's had to play this game and especially... You know, he had to have his beard wife and all these kind of things, even though he couldn't score with all the money in the world at his own company, which is really saying something, which is really saying something about his level of unlikability. But the divorce is happening, if that's a legit divorce. Um, He's the second largest landowner in the United States. Anybody want to take a guess who's the first? If you pick Ted Turner, you're the winner. Yeah, that would surprise um, me. Both of these that. guys are both evol- involved in depopulation movements. Yeah. So make of that what you will. So um, the vaccines really worked out well for him. He is unofficially considered Davos, Gavi. Uh, his, his organization, Gavi, is unofficially cons- considered by the WHO, World Health Organization, to be a nation state. He is a man approaching statehood. And what I saw in that interview is someone who's getting tired of playing the PR game for you common people, for you poors. Oh, I have to answer another question for the poors about about Jeff Epstein. <laughs> you know, and you just you see a man. Like, hey, we've all been boiled the past two years, and I've I've watched a lot of fissures and cracks appear in people, and I've watched other people blossom and you know not really care. Myself, I just have a good time and. Keep doing my thing for what I think is coming up. But what I saw with Bill Gates there is a man under pressure who's getting tired of playing the role. You would see this a lot in Hollywood, like in TV shows in the sixth or seventh season. The actor who's gotten too big, the Shelley Long, the Callista Flockhart, the person who's too big to show up for Cheers that week because they're going to go have a big movie career now. And that's kind of Bill Gates. He's, he, 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 I think he realizes he's got a level of hatred going on, but things are really swinging his way financially and power structurally and accountability-wise. And if there is a big tech cabal to control the United States and seems to possibly be at war with China, my, my, my guess and my feeling is that Bill Gates is a player in that cabal. That cabal is pretty powerful. They're telling the U.S. government what to think. They're telling the press and the media what to think. They silenced the last president. They silence you. They're they're in charge for all practical purposes. And what I saw in that interview is a man who's getting tired of answering to you people. 
Exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. So I say all that to say going back to the Tea Party thing, and now we're at the Patriot thing and everything like that, this constant vilification of the left of let's not use like religious or political affiliations or whatever, but just constitutional values. They have been criminalizing that and it is allowed to go to this point. And, and so you can infer something from that. Their desire is to get rid of those constitutional rights. If they tell you anything else, they're lying to you. And you have to understand that if you lose those constitutional rights, you are a slave. You will eat the bugs, you will live in the pod, and you will do whatever they say. And we are, I think, this year going to approach that moment. It will come to you as a crisis. And it may be a legitimate crisis. It may be the next bioweapon. It will come as a savior in which you have to surrender your rights to be saved so that you can have one more day of life. But I'm going to tell you right now, life without your constitutional rights isn't worth living. You're all going to have to decide that on whatever level. The moment that you embrace that, then you go out and do what needs to be done. And people will follow you. We will, you know, we will all band together to defeat evil because we have the truth. I don't know what that shapes out to be. You know, I, I've advocated, I think, you know, what we should have done is we should have, we should have Trump flotilla and vet broad invaded Cuba. And we should have restored Cuba to the people and we should have turned around to our own nation and said, if we can do that there, we can do that to you here. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that I know what they want and what they want is to take away your constitutional rights. In 2010, it was the Tea Party is racist and the Tea Party needs to be gone after by the IRS. And if you service members join the Tea Party, you know, you're racist bigots and you're going to be now. Now we have. You know, if, if you don't let us do a health experiment on you, you have no place in the military. If you're white, you have no place in the military. All these ridiculous identitarian politics that they want to play so that they can collapse the military, bring in the police state, and allow us, ultimately, why would you want to collapse the military? Like, I'll round this out, I'll end this up with one last question. Why collapse the military? Wouldn't you, as an Orwellian superstate, need the military? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, the only thing I can think is they want to, as you said, more like enact some sort of new police state that they have more control over, or or it's the globalists behind it, and they just want to wreck our country. Really. Ding, 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 ding. That's the one. Yeah, that's you're what putting, I mean. You're putting, you're taking the Navy SEALs, Robert O'Neill's talking about that on Twitter, and, and telling them, uh, you got to get this vax. And and a lot of them, I think it was it was a big number, but there ain't that many SEALs, contrary to popular belief of everybody who was ever in Vietnam. Um, there's enough that they will no longer be operational that want to leave. I know from just the readership of, of the books that I write that, that there are a lot of people who have gotten out or getting out and who have been expressing a heartbreaking letter today from a guy who was at Fallujah um, with Marsoc and just his experience and just talking about points and the officer corps. And that stuff was stunning to me having come from an earlier military. So you couldn't destroy the military this well accidentally. Okay. So what does the military do? It protects us from foreign aggressors. 
So if you're trying to destroy the military, which protects us from foreign aggressors, then you want us to be open to foreign aggressors. Mm -hmm. you, you, you would go to the UN and tell the UN that we surrender to the greater will of the UN to build back better, like Joe Biden did, and there would be no one to defend us except those clingers. So that's something to consider. You have to look at their actions. You have to look at what they're saying. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I'm hearing. They don't want a military to defend you. They want a police state to harass and abuse you, but they don't want you to be defended from a governing UN body that's probably going to look a lot like China. And that's the podcast. <laughs>